This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. You're walking alone on the street at night, and then you hear another set of footsteps and a haunting tune being whistled by an unseen stranger. Fritz Lang used a similar premise in his 1930s movie with Peter Lorre playing M, a psychopathic murderer of children. But the American radio series was even creepier. The unseen whistler didn't kill anyone, well, that we know of, but he certainly loved watching murders take place, narrating them for us and chuckling at the suffering of others instead of doing anything to stop it. Unlike M, he was never caught. He kept walking the streets every week for 13 long years, whistling his ominous 13 notes and telling us another tale of bizarre fate. Perhaps fate is who the whistler really was. He never provided any surname, and the killer was usually punished by some twist of fate that only the whistler himself seemed to expect. It is very likely the whistler was inspired by The Shadow, which began nearly a decade earlier. Like The Shadow, the whistler seemed to enter and exit the criminal underworld without ever being seen. He would watch the evildoers carry out their schemes, yet they never saw him, even though he would tell us what they were thinking in their presence. His voice sounded equally sinister to The Shadow, too. It was a slithering tenor, hissing the S's and often laughing <laughs> at the foolishness of the guilty. Tonight, we hear the episode 8 to 12 that was first aired in 1947. The Signal Oil Program, The Whistler. is your signal for the signal oil program, The Whistler. I am The Whistler, and I know many things, for I walk by night. I know many strange tales hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadows. Yes, I know the nameless terrors of which they dare not speak. Yes, friends, it's time for the Signal Oil program, The Whistler. Rated by independent research, the most popular West Coast program. In gasoline, you know, it takes extra quality to go farther. And Signal is the famous go-farther gasoline. So look for the Signal circle sign in yellow and black that identifies Signal service stations from Canada to Mexico. 
And now, the Whistler's strange story. Eight to twelve. At three o'clock that afternoon, Danny Bryan had been riding high. The top crime reporter in San Francisco. With a nice apartment on Russian Hill. Two hundred a week from the Express. And a lot more on the side. At four o'clock, he was nobody. Just another newspaper man out of a job. He'd walked into the club nocturne just after dinner. Decided he might as well give it to Teddy right from the shoulder. He'd know about it sooner or later anyway. By nine, he'd had four martinis. Wasn't caring too much what he said, one way or another. <laughs> a job? Well, oh, I'm still a reporter, baby. Uh, Brother Graves doesn't like my work. There are plenty of others who do. Graves is an important guy. They'll all listen to oh, he's him. He's a stuffed shirt. I helped put him where he is, and he knows. Oh, wait a minute, Little Danny. Napoleon, they call him down there. <laughs> I'd like to wring his scrawny neck. Danny. Hello, Danny. Huh? Oh, Stan, old boy. Teddy, darling, this is Stan McIntosh, one of my erstwhile colleagues. Teddy Eldridge, it's Stan. What do you do? Hello, sit down. Let's talk over old times on the express. I only got a minute. Oh? What's on your mind? Uh, uh what about, uh... Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Teddy knows the story. Oh, I see. Uh, just wanted to tell you, Graves called us all into the office this afternoon. You want to know what he said? I got a rough idea. <laughs> he said you were taking hush-up dough from... The dame in that murder case across town. Said you put the bite on her. That's why you got canned. Oh. Anything else? Told us he was going to make an example of you. That's all. That self-righteous little jerk. I could kill him. Sure, I could throttle him with my bare hands right now. Now, take it easy, Danny. You better go home and sleep it off. Oh, shut up. I don't care who knows. Doesn't matter what you think. Keep it to yourself. I tell you, I could kill him. Well, does that shock you, Stan, huh? I could snuff him out right now like that. Tell that to the boys in the city room. And tell them not to worry about Danny Bryan. There are plenty of other jobs, Stan. Plenty of jobs. But there aren't plenty of jobs either, Danny. Three other papers in town. And you can tell by the way the city editors look across the desk at you that Martin Graves has been there first. That though it's all very polite and friendly... They're part of a closed corporation. And if Graves has given the word, the answer is no. By the following Saturday night, you've afraid that he's licked you. Though you won't admit it to anyone. Not even to Teddy. Danny. Yeah? Oh, Danny, I've got good news. Mr. Merrill called me in this afternoon. Raised me to a hundred and a quarter. Say, that's great. Oh, it's more than they've ever paid for a girl singer. And, Danny... I just want you to know if... Well, if you need any money... Now, wait a minute. What are you talking about? Well, since you're not working, Listen, baby, get this through your head. I'm not out of a job. I'm taking a rest, that's all. When I want a job, I'll get one. Like that. Oh, don't try and kid me, Danny. I know how it is. I... uh, I want you to remember I'll do anything for you, Danny. Anything. Sure, baby, I know that. But just forget about the job business, will you? I'm not worrying. Why should... Uh, Excuse me. Oh, yeah? What is it, Mike? There's a telephone call for you. Mr. Graves. He says it's important. Graves? (laughs) Thanks, Mike. You see, Teddy? Nothing to it, huh? Just like that. Yes, Mr. Graves? Right. 
Yeah, what is it? I want to talk to you about your job. Well, where are you? My apartment. Been laid up with the cold. You come up tonight? When? Well, what time is it now? My clock's haywire up here. Don't know whether it's night or day. Oh, wait a minute. It's, uh, uh 9.15. Well, what about 10? Well, I don't know. I'll, I'll think it over. You'd better decide tonight. I may feel different tomorrow. Well, Danny, he finally came around. But it's a matter of pride now, isn't it? You deliberately stay at the club for another hour, knowing it won't hurt to let Graves know you're taking your time. It's 10.30 when you walk up to the door of his apartment. Drop him a cordial nod as he lets you in and shows you to a chair and pours a drink. He wasn't kidding about the cold. The air is strong with eucalyptus oil. He's wearing a wool robe, a heavy towel around his neck. Five minutes later, he gets to the point. Well, Danny, there's no use kidding each other. You're a great reporter. We need you on the express. Well, thanks. You want to come back? Well, I've made up my mind. There are a lot of other jobs, you know. Not in San Francisco. Why not? You ought to know. You've been to the Chronicle, Examiner, the News. <laughs> they all turned you down. Well, there are other towns. Ah, <clears throat> oh, but you ought to stay here. You belong here. Oh, maybe. I don't want to go into what you did, Danny. I'm willing to forget it, if you are. I think you learned a lesson. Hey, look. Let's not even talk about that, huh? All right. You want to come back? Okay, Chief. When? You report Monday morning to Stan McIntosh. McIntosh? What do you mean? You're a rewrite man now. Rewrite? Who do you think you're talking to? You heard what I said. Rewrite? Why, you two-bit Napoleon. You think you can run me like a monkey on a string? Wait a bit of bribe. Well, you picked the wrong guy, Graves. You can pull the strings, only I don't jump. Take your head off. I always wanted to tell you all. Let's go and be bright. Oh, hit me, will you? Oh, you want to play rough, do you? Okay, Napoleon, don't go away from me. Right. Let's go, Brian. Graves, I'll kill you. You forget where you are. Everything stops. There's nothing inside you but a blind red rage. The ends of the towel around his neck tight in your hand. It's quiet now, Danny. No sound but the blood pounding in your head. And then things begin to get clearer. The room comes into focus again. A chair overturned, the desk swept clean, a vase of flowers, the clock, the statuette smashed on the floor. And on the floor, too, is Martin Graves lying very still. You don't have to look any closer, Danny. As a crime reporter, you've seen murdered men before. Lots of them. You sit down, let your head clear a little. Look at your watch. 10.45. You know it's hopeless, Danny. That you'd have a better chance of getting out of this one if you'd murdered Martin Graves in the middle of the Union Square at high noon. A motive. The opportunity. Everything's there. All ready for the police. 
You find yourself thinking of Teddy, of what you're going to tell her. And then you think of something else. I, uh, I want you to remember I'll do anything for you, Danny. Anything. That's it. Teddy. the prologue of 8 to 12, the Signal Oil Company brings you another strange tale by The Whistler. of Martin Graves. You know, there's only one thing that can save you. An alibi, Danny. You've got to have a sworn statement from Teddy Eldridge that you couldn't have been up here in Graves' apartment, that you were with her at the club nocturne all evening, just as always, from 8 to 12. You get up, start for the phone, and then stop, remembering the switchboard operator. Then as you turn, you hesitate. Decide to answer. Put your handkerchief over the mouthpiece. Lower your voice. The cold. Martin Graves had a bad cold. Yes? Martin? Yes? This is Stark at the city desk. How did you come out with Danny Bryant? Oh, he, uh, he hasn't showed up. Uh, looks like he might not come at all. Uh, just as well. You'd have a hard time making him eat crow. <coughs> Say, that cold sounds pretty tough. How do you feel? Oh, not so good. Just going to bed. Oh, I better not bother you, then. Plenty of rest, you know. Keep warm. Maybe a hot potty. That's right. Good night, Martin. Good night. Yes, Danny. There's only one way out. To somehow leave the apartment without being seen. Find Teddy and get the questions answered before they're asked. You take care of your fingerprints. Then walk to the door. Open it. Ah, the hall's vacant. You step out quietly, close the door behind you, and tiptoe down to the back stairway. On the main floor, you walk up to the side door opening onto the alley. Ah, it's locked. You've got to leave by the main entrance now. Knowing if anyone sees you here... You might as well drive up to headquarters and confess. The lobby is empty. You hurry across it, out the main door. Well, Mr. Bryan. Huh? Oh. You remember me. Name's Bleeker. <laughs> Horace Bleeker. Met you a while ago through Mr. Graves. I live in the same apartment house. <laughs> is something wrong? Oh, no, no. Nothing's wrong. You, uh... Well, you, you, you startled me. Oh, sorry. I, I'm on my way to the airport, leaving tonight for Los Angeles. <laughs> Seems the streets are full of taxis until you really want one. You were waiting for a taxi? Uh, that's right. Well, look, let me give you a lift. I have my car. Oh, no, no, I, I wouldn't think of putting you... Oh, ready. not at all. Come on, I, I insist. That's all I insist. <laughs> Oh, 
You help Bleecker into your car. Start south across Market Street. Gripping the wheel hard to keep from shaking. Tense, nervous, a sick, tight feeling in your stomach. You know you've got to kill Bleecker, too. There's no other way. By the time you hit the fringe of the city, you know how it's going to happen and where. But uh, there's really no hurry, Mr. Bryan. Uh, my plane doesn't leave till midnight, and it's only uh, 11. Sure, I know. I, uh, well, I just wanted to give you a little leeway. And another thing, your gasoline gauge looks almost empty. Uh, there's a signal oil station at the next corner. Perhaps we'd better stop. No, no, not now. I can't stop now. You'd better slow down. Speed limit 25. I just saw the sign. Look out! Oh. Oh, I didn't see him. I didn't... Well, you, you cut right in front of that car. Look, here comes the driver. Hey, you. What's the idea? Hang on. Hey, wait a minute. That's in my fender. Hey, Mr. Bryan. You've got to stop. Forget it, Bleaker. But that, that's hit and run. You can't... I said forget it. It's like a nightmare, isn't it, Danny? You don't think anymore. You only feel. And above everything else, you know you and Bleecker must not be seen together now. He knows something's wrong. Out of the corner of your eye, you see him hunched in the seat like a frightened rabbit, ready to jump out if you slow down. Dear City, well, but that's not the way to... I said I'd get you to the airport, didn't I? But, uh, we'll what? take Skyline Boulevard, drop down to the airport at Millbrae. I, uh... It's a little longer that way, but faster. But I, I... See, uh, there's no traffic. At 11.30, you turn onto the Skyline Boulevard. Dark and deserted now, winding through the trees and the crest of the hills overlooking the bay. And a moment later, you make up your mind. Hold your breath. Pull over onto the shoulder of the road near an old water tower. What? Why are you stopping here? Ah, uh, that fender I banged up, it's scraping on the wheel. You pick up a rock from the edge of the highway. Pause a moment. Then... Uh, uh, Bleaker. Yes? Give me a hand here, will you? What's the matter now? Take a look down there. Huh? Where? Why, well, I don't see anything. You carry his body to the foot of the embankment. Drop it in a depression behind some bushes. As you climb back up to the road, the shale slides down in a rush, covering it completely. That ought to do it. and you turn cold inside as you realize what's wrong. I'm out of gas. Uh, 
Ten minutes to twelve, Danny, and you're stuck next to the water tower with Bleaker's body lying in the ditch ten feet away. Hedy will leave the club nocturne at 12.30. And unless you get that call through to her, the whole plan, the solid, life-saving 8 to 12 alibi is gone. You've got to flag a car, get some gasoline. But the Skyline Boulevard is almost deserted at this time of night. Then at last, at 12.15, a pair of lights round the bend in the distance, and a small coupe pulls up to a stop. What's the matter, buddy? You in trouble? I'm out of gas. Oh, oh. Uh, you picked a great place, mister. Hey, you got a hose or something? Could you let me have a little out of your tank? Oh, brother, you don't know how lucky you are. Well, let's take a look. Well, I'm, uh, I'm in a hurry. I've been waiting here for almost a half hour. Oh, say, you know, that's dangerous. Never know who might be riding around here this time of night. Now, here, let me get this turtle back open. <laughs> but, like I said, you're a lucky man. You mean you can... Ha, uh... <laughs> ha! Siphon hose and the gas can. Never catch me on the road without them. Well, you fumble around awkwardly trying to help him as he siphons a gallon of gas out of his tank. 12.30. Teddy might be gone now. It seems a thousand years before he finally finishes up. Uh, well, here you are, pal. That ought to get you into the station anyway. Oh, I'm sure it will. Thanks a lot. Oh, here, here. Take one of my cards. Look me up sometime. I think I better be going now. I'm in a hurry. Oh, uh, just a minute. Oh, what's the matter? Uh, uh the gas. <laughs> I think uh, 50 cents ought to do it. Fair enough, huh? Here, take my card. Before he's had time to get back in his car, you're pulling away from the spot. The accelerator down to the floor, hoping you'll never have the bad luck to run into him again. Somewhere along the way, you find you're still holding on to his business card, and you toss it out the window. Yes, Danny. The only thing that counts now is Teddy. And ten minutes later, you're on the phone, praying she hasn't left the club. Hello? Oh, uh, Teddy? Danny, where are you? Never mind. Listen, listen, honey. Is, is Mike still there? Well, I, I think so. You've got to help me. Mike, too, if you think we can trust him. Only you've got to be sure. Danny, what's the matter? I, I can't tell you now. Just get this. You've got to swear I was at the nocturne from 8 to 12, that I didn't leave. Daddy, what if... You said you'd do anything for me, didn't you? You meant that, Teddy. Anything. Of course, darling. Well, then don't ask questions. Just do as I say. All right, Daddy. I'll do it. Just as you say. Well, Danny, somehow the worst is over. The 8 to 12 is going to be the answer. And you know Teddy will make it solid. You weren't at Graves' apartment. You never saw Bleaker. And that man on the highway couldn't have possibly seen enough of you in the darkness to identify you. You stay home all day Sunday, knowing it will be smart to keep away from Teddy now. You spend the morning and the afternoon listening to news reports, waiting, waiting. But it's not until 10 o'clock Monday morning that the phone rings. It's your old friend Neil of Homicide asking you to uh, drop in at headquarters. Hello, Neil. 
Morning, Danny. What's this all about? Why are you... Teddy, Mike, what are you doing here? We can skip the act, Danny. You must have seen the papers on the way here. Oh, you mean Graves. I mean Graves. Well, I didn't like the guy. Does that mean I killed him? According to Stan McIntosh, you were a hot prospect a few nights ago. Oh, sure, a guy has a few drinks, he's sore, but... But you didn't do it, huh? No, I didn't do it, Neil. Well, Mike and Teddy have you covered from 8 to 12 on the night it happened. that right? Yeah. I didn't put my nose out of the club until midnight. That's the truth, Mr. Neal. Mike and I were with him all the time. It's just like I told you, Lieutenant. He was right there in the corner booth early time. We've been through that once. Let's leave it there. Well... What about it, Neil? Well, I guess there's no argument about that, Danny. You were at the club nocturne from 8 to 12. your friend Neil of the Homicide Division leans back in his chair and studies the three of you. Teddy and Mike really came through, insisted you couldn't have killed Graves because you weren't out of their sight from 8 until 12. And you know only too well that Graves died at 10.30. So you put it over, Danny. It uh, took two murders instead of one, but your alibi is airtight. Bleaker. The only man who saw you come out of Graves' apartment house is lying dead outside of town by the old water tower. You haven't a thing to fear, Danny. Not a thing. You know, this sort of thing isn't too easy when you're dealing with old friends. You're right, Neil. But since you've just heard that I couldn't have had anything to do with the murder, well, let's forget all about it, huh? I wish I could, Danny. Only I can't figure you're in the clear. Now, you said you left the club at 12. Yes? But I told you, Mr. Neal. Mike and I were with him right up till then. I heard you, Miss Eldridge. And I'm sorry it doesn't mean anything. You see, we've placed the time of the murder at 12.15. Huh? 12.15? On the nose. During the struggle, an electric clock on Graves' desk was disconnected. Oh, wait a minute. You're wrong. The... Go on, Danny. What's wrong? Everything's wrong, isn't it, Danny? They've made a terrible mistake. What time is it now? My clock's haywire up here. Don't know whether it's night or day. Don't sit there with your mouth hanging open, Danny. You kept that appointment with him, didn't you? Only at 12.15 and you killed him. No, no, no wait a minute. I, I did keep the appointment, but not at 12.15. I went up there a little after 10. I left at 10.30. You expect me to swallow that? Who saw you leave? Who saw you come out of that apartment? You're in a corner now, gulping as Neil pounds at you. Who can you turn to now, Danny? Who can prove you weren't in that apartment at 12.15? You'll remember me. Name's Bleeker. Horace Bleeker. He's dead, Danny. Where you left him under two feet of shale on the Skyline Boulevard. Hey, wait a minute, mister. You bashed in my fender. Lost in the heart of the city. In the maze of streets south of Market. I'm waiting, Danny. Let me think. There was one more, another guy. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, another guy. I didn't get his name, but... 
cents ought to do it. Fair enough, huh? Here, take my card. His card? I, I took his card. I threw it away. Will you get to the point? Where were you at 12.15? Did you hear what I said? Yeah. Yeah, I heard you. I, uh... I guess I haven't got the answer. The Signal Oil Program, The Whistler, each Monday at 9. Brought to you by the Signal Oil Company. Marketers of Signal gasoline and motor oil and fine quality automotive accessories. Signal has asked me to remind you to get the most driving pleasure. Drive at sensible speeds. Be courteous. And obey traffic regulations. It may save a life. Possibly your own. Featured in tonight's story were Joseph Kearns and Doris Singleton. The Whistler was produced by George W. Allen, with story by Joel Malone and Harold Swanton, music by Wilbur Hatch, and was transmitted to our troops overseas by the Armed Forces Radio Service. This is Marvin Miller speaking for the Signal Oil Company. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Stay tuned for Harold Perry as the great Gildersleeve, who tonight gets arrested. Time now for that guy with the most distinctive laugh ever on radio, the great Gildersleeve. This program was first heard in 1942. Kraft presents the great Gildersleeve. <laughs> week at this time from Hollywood, California, Kraft presents Harold Perry as the Great Gildersleeve, written by Leonard L. Levinson. And now let's visit our friend, the Great Gildersleeve, who has, as you know, a nephew named Leroy who has, as you probably don't know, four rabbits, named respectively Eeny, Meeny, Miney, and possibly Moe. Right now, they are preparing to go to Fairview, where Leroy is to represent his school at the Junior Rabbit Breeder Show, and all six of them are quite hopped up about the trip. Now, take it easy, Leroy. Just be calm, like me. No use getting all excited about this. Not at all. Where's my briefcase? Under your arm, Unc. What? Oh, oh, yes. How did it ever get there? Now, about my suitcase. Uh, handkerchiefs, socks, birdie. Yes, Mr. Gilsey. Uh, never mind. I found him. Found what, Mr. Gilsey? His socks. Well, where found them? I found him. 
Well, why shouldn't you? They're right there all the time. Yes, yes, I know. He found them. Then why call me? Because I couldn't find him. But I thought you said... Oh, never mind. <laughs> yeah, my goodness, anybody would think we'd never gone anyplace before. Well, it's pretty exciting for me, Uncle Mort. Maybe 300 miles cheapers. Leroy, you talk like you'd been chained up in the coal cellar all your life. <laughs> Didn't you fly to California and back last year? Oh, sure, huh? Yes, son. We automotored all over the 47 states two years ago. There are 48 states, Bertie. Yes, I know that. But when we was in Florida, they never heard of California. And when we was in California, the visor was personal. <laughs> well, anyway, Leroy, you've done a great deal of traveling for a boy your age, and another 300 miles shouldn't mean any more than going down to the corner on Saturday morning for the Sunday morning papers. <laughs> But creepers, Uncle Mort, we're going on the train. I've never been on a train. Oh, my goodness, modern youth. Why, when I was just a baby, I can't seem to find my military brushes. <laughs> Where are they, Bertie? I put them in your happy rock bag, Mr. Gill, please. In my what? Bertie, could you perchance mean Gladstone bag? Yeah, that's it. Yes, happy rock. Well, I guess that's it. Hey, wait a minute. Uh, Leroy. Yes, Uncle? Uh, did you mail that letter I gave you last night? Oh, uh, Which letter? Oh, well, yes, of course I did. Yeah, good. It was to Cousin Flora, telling her and her husband we're coming to stay with them while we're in Fairview. <laughs> Won't they be surprised? Why? <laughs> Why, Uncle Mort? Well, because it's an answer to a letter they sent fishing around for an invitation to visit us. <laughs> good thing they ain't coming this week with Miss Marge out of town at that Red Cross training school. Yes. Well, are you sure you've got everything you need, Leroy? Positive. Say, if you're going to be on that train when it leaves, you better get mobilized. Where's your rabbits, Leroy? Out in the hall on that wooden box. The manual training class built it especially for them. Well, they did a bum job, Leroy. That box is full of holes. If holes? Well, that's so the little the creatures won't get asphyxiated, Bertie. Yes, it'll help them breathe, too. <laughs> uh, shall I call up and get you a taxi? Uh, taxi? No, thank you, Bertie. We can pick up one at the drugstore. If we can't, it'll be the first thing I haven't been able to get at that drugstore. <laughs> Come on, Leroy, let's get going. Okay, Unc. So long, Bertie. Don't let any Japs get you. <laughs> Quit picking on us South Sea folks, Leroy. <laughs> hey, come on, young man. I'll take the suitcases. You bring that crate of clover crunches. If Marjorie gets back to town before we do, Bertie, you tell her where we went. Yes, sir. I'll tell her that you had to act as a convoy for a bunch of dumb bunnies. And then she'll say... Hey, never mind. I know what you say. Goodbye. Bye, Bertie. Bye, Miss Gilsey. Bye, Leroy. I hope we haven't forgotten anything, Uncle Mort. Have you got the tickets? Yeah, the tickets. Don't be ridiculous. Oh, tickets. Oh, wait a minute. I better look to make sure. Yes, here's the envelope. Oh, great Caesar's ghost. What's wrong, Uncle Mort? Look, here's my letter to Cousin Flora. I must have sent her the railroad tickets. <laughs> oh, now she'll think I want her and that loud husband of hers to come here. Oh, gee, now how are we going to get to Fairview? Does this mean we're not going? Now, wait a minute. Don't rattle me, Leroy. Don't rattle me. If... No time to get reservations. The next train won't get this there in time. Oh, for what a thick head I turned out to be. Say, Uncle, how about driving? Yes, it's driving me. Wait a minute. Driving? Why, of course. Let's get the car. Come on. We can put the rabbits in the rear compartment, load up on gasoline, and beat the train to Fairview. That was a fine suggestion. You're a bright boy, Leroy. <laughs> Gee, I don't know about that, Uncle. I just suggested myself out of my first ride on a railroad train. How far 
far is it to the next town, Leroy? Well, according to the sign we passed ten miles ago, it's three miles. Yeah. While according to the map, it's six. Yeah. But according to all the houses around here, we're almost there. Yeah. Thank goodness. I hope the road gets better from here on. So far, it's been terrible. It's had more hairpins than a dime store. And what's more, it's full of Charlie holes. Don't you mean chuck holes, Uncle Morse? Yes, but this is a road I don't want to become familiar with, Leroy. <laughs> yeah, we haven't hit a straight stretch for hours. That's right. For every mile forward that we go, we travel two from side to side and three up and down. This isn't a road, it's a Lakonga line. <laughs> Why, when I think of... Oh! Oh! Ah, we almost went in the ditch that time. Why don't you try driving in the ditch? It might be smoother. Yes. <laughs> Leroy, this is no time to horse around. Though well, if there was a horse around, I'd trade it in for this car. <laughs> I'm hungry. Hungry? Well, so am I. Strange how much exercise you can get just bouncing up and down, isn't it? Let's stop and eat at the next stop and eat. It's all right. That place up ahead doesn't look bad. However, we're so far behind schedule, let's just get some sandwiches to eat along the way. Huh? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, come on, Leroy. I'm right with you, Uncle. Oh, my. And to think if we hadn't mailed those tickets... We'd have been sitting in a comfortable train, counting the telephone poles instead of dodging them. Yeah. Let's sit here at the counter, eh? Uh, Tired, Uncle Morse? Yeah, just my eyes, Leroy. Funny, I'd swear I was seeing gravy spots in front of them. That's easy, Uncle. You're looking at the waiter's apron. Yeah? <laughs> oh, of course, yeah, that's it. Uh, what'll you have, Leroy? A ham sandwich. Yeah, same thing for me, waiter, and we'll take them with us. Say, look, they've got cherry pie, Leroy. Would you care for a slice? No, thanks, Uncle. After that road we were on, I couldn't stand anything else with pits in it. Yes. <laughs> now, how long did it take you to drive from Fairview, Mr. Toby? Oh, about seven hours, McGuire. At this rate, I should be in Summerfield by 10 o'clock tonight. Uh, excuse me, gentlemen, but I couldn't help overhearing that last remark. Uh, don't count on getting to Summerfield by 10 o'clock tonight, sir. No, why not? Because these blasted roads are in a blasted condition. Oh, you don't like our roads, eh? And now, McGuire, take it easy. What's wrong with our roads? What is it? And you take it easy, too, mister. Don't get angry at me just because I warned you about that collection of bumpy ruts ahead of you. I accept that as a personal insult, sir. Gee whiz, is it your road? Well, I'm the superintendent of road maintenance for this section, and this is State Highway Commissioner Toby. Yeah? What am I supposed to do, get out of my hands and knees and bump my head on the floor? What? If you think I'm going to back up and crawl, Commissioner, you're mistaken. I've done all my backing up and crawling for the day on that blankety-blank road of yours this afternoon. Say, I don't like your attitude, and I don't like your highway. <laughs> Looks like it was surveyed through the bottom of a beer bottle. <laughs> yes, and built by a hillbilly with the hiccups. Now, look here, you're doing Mr. McGuire an injustice. Yeah. He and his men have been constructing that road for the past six years. I know that. I saw the signs all along the way. Slow men at work. <laughs> well, that's enough. I'm going to hand this guy a face full of fists. Let me yeah. in. I'm that uh, Oh, here's our sandwiches, Leroy. <laughs> Mister, you're mighty lucky we're in a hurry. Uh, come on, Leroy. Let's stop tearing down the commissioner's highway and start tearing down the commissioner's highway. <laughs> okay, I'm done coming. Gee, you certainly told him off, didn't you? Yeah, did you see the look on that guy McGuire's face? Huh? Ain't you going to finish your stay, Commissioner? No, the mood's gone. I might as well get started. Oh, waiter, the check. No, 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 no. Uh, let me pay for it. Oh, no, no. Yes. Well, all right. <laughs> hey, uh, waiter, keep.
keep the change. Now, Commissioner, don't let that big blimp get your goat. What does a mug like that know about the heartaches of building roads? Yes, you're right, McGuire. Say, I thought I parked my car about here. Are you sure? Well, I think so. I remember it was near this truck. It... Oh, uh, here it is, Commissioner. That's strange. Could someone have moved it? Hey, hold on a minute, Mac. That isn't my car. It ain't. It certainly looks like it. Sure, it's same make, same model, same color, but those aren't my official license plates. Yeah, that's right. Oh, now I wonder who could have been so chuckle-headed as to pull a trick like this. Brock Morton P. Gildersleeve. What do you mean? What are you talking about? That's the name of the bird that owns this car. Here's his registration certificate. Well, we've got to get that car of mine back, McGuire. We've got to send out a police warning over the radio to the highway patrol. Sure, Commissioner. We'll get it back all right. You needn't worry. you get excited. You don't understand. There's been a rock slide on the road near Summerfield and an emergency. And I've got a hundred pounds of explosives in the rear compartment of my car. <laughs> You notice how much more pep the car seems to have now, Leroy? <laughs> I really get a bang out of driving a car with oomph. Yeah, careful of that bunk bunk. Huh? Yes. Oh, <laughs> quite a bounce, wasn't it? I can't get over how much better the car runs. If it keeps up like this, it'll feel as if we had wings, Leroy. <laughs> Hold on, here comes Kerr. Oh, yeah. You better go easy on those tires, Unc. Huh? Remember, you can't get any new ones until the FBI investigates you and finds out you're an ambulance or something. Yes. <laughs> well, these tires are good for thousands of miles yet, Leroy. Oh? Hey, these roads. I hope that didn't hurt any of our little cottontail cuties in the rear there. Well, I guess they're well padded. <laughs> yeah, I can hear the box bouncing up and down. You can? Maybe I better get it and hold it in my lap. No, no, don't do that. They'll be happier if they don't get a look at this road. Besides... Look out for that red lantern. What red lantern? Oh, that red lantern. Oh. <laughs> no wonder I couldn't see it. A big pile of dirt behind it, Leroy. Well, here's the end of the detour. Now I'm really going to hit it up. And Leroy... Yes, Uncle Mort? I want you to keep a sharp lookout and back. If you see any highway patrol cars with red lights flashing and cops in them, you just nudge me. Understand? Yes, Uncle Mort. You're good. I don't expect to get it. Oh, Leroy, don't bump me. That wasn't a bump, Unc. That was a nudge. Nudge? It's, oh, my goodness. Yes, now I can see him. I better stop, eh? I can't imagine what in the world I've done. Well, Uncle Mort, I have an idea. Be quiet, young man. Oh, here they come. Uh, uh, good evening, boys. Good evening, Chief. Chief? Shh, he thinks I'm an Indian. <laughs> uh, what can I do for you, boys? Just stay where you are, sir. We'll have the fire out in a minute. Yes, Fire? Just one of your rear brakes. Bring me that extinguisher, Mike. Oh. Here you are, Sid. Any button in your coat is the commissioner. Uh, thanks. Uh, say, uh, what's going on back there, boy? Uh, nothing to get excited about, Chief. One of the brakes must have locked. Oh. oh, my goodness. It's lucky you put it out before it got to that box of rabbits. I better look to see how they are, Uncle. Uh, no, Leroy. They're probably sleeping. Let's let sleeping rabbits lie. I don't think any harm was done. You'll just watch your brakes for a ways, Chief. Well, thank you very much, boys. Anytime I can do anything for you, i uh, got a card here someplace. Oh, we know who you are. Oh, you do? Well, I never knew I was that famous. Sure, you're a big man in this state. Sid, he'd be a big man in any state. Yeah. <laughs> well, i got to be getting along now. Goodbye, boys. Goodbye, sir. Goodbye, sir. Now, there's a genuine guy, the commissioner. Yeah, don't act no different than you and me. You or I, Sid. Uh. Uh, you know, he's a lot better looking than his pictures do him justice. Yeah. 
But don't you think he's a little fatter? No, not fatter, Sid. Heavier setter. <laughs> you see, fatter isn't a respectful way to describe a state commissioner. Yeah, but on him it looks good. <laughs> well, let's get into the heap and start rolling again. Yeah. Attention all highway patrols. Hey, listen. Be on lookout for large gray sedan, license 4X669. Number's familiar. A state car assigned to Highway Commissioner Toby. Oh, the guy that was just here. Taken from Junction Grill an hour ago by a stout man and a small boy with a black mustache. A small boy? <laughs> a small boy with a black mustache. Hey, that's the guy who... Why, that fat rat... Handle situation with care, boys. Rear end of car is loaded with explosives. Come on, Mike. Let's go get him. Yeah. There they are. Right up ahead. Get closer. Hey, what are you doing? Shooting at the rear tires. Hey, wait a minute. That car's full of explosives. Oh, my gosh. Don't get too close, Mike. Okay, I'll drop back. But what do we do? Say, look at him go. Let's trail him till he slows up. If he slows up before he blows up. Well, we've been making good time, my boy. I thought we'd better stop here in Millville and get some gasoline. Where is that attendant? I think I'll get out and take a look at the rabbits, Uncle Moy. Yeah, that's a good idea. That road was so rough, I bet those hairs stood on end. <laughs> oh, say, Leroy, uh, the police chaps again. All right, stick them up, you yeah, two. Reach for the ceiling, I'll stick them up. Oh, hello, boys. Practicing? Get them up quick, fatso. If that's all. Say, what's the idea? You two, get them up. Now, search them, Mike. Yep, here, 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 here. You needn't be so rough. You've broken a couple of my cigars. Well, they haven't got any guns on them, Sid. Okay, you can put down your hands. But don't pull any funny business, you two. What's the meaning of this unwarranted outrage? Hey, get him. Yes. what we did, didn't we? You stole the highway commissioner's car and it's loaded with explosives. If, what's this about the commissioner's car? Take a peek at those official license plates. Huh? If... Well, gee, Unc, how did they get there? They were framed. I mean, we were framed, Leroy. <laughs> well, at least there's nothing to this explosive nonsense. You officers can look in the rear compartment and see for yourselves. Okay, take a look, Sid. Uh, there are. <laughs> won't he be surprised, Leroy? Ah! <laughs> ah! You see, it's just rabbits, officer. Yeah. Oh, yeah? Come here, Mike. Does this look like rabbits to you? Nah, to me it looks like a case of explosives. Well, if you were a rabbit and went through what we've been through, you'd feel like exploding yourself. <laughs> Why don't you come back here and look for yourself? Yes, come on. Let's show these stupid... Oh, my goodness, Leroy. Uncle, what you trembling like that for? Look at that box. It blasting powder. Whose car is this? Who slipped it to me? How did that dynamite get in there? That's what we aim to find out, brother. Good. Who will we ask? You. It, me? <laughs> yes, come on. Say, where are you taking us? To the Millville police station. You're going to hold a little quiz, kid. Yes, sir. <laughs> there must be a reasonable explanation for all this. If we can only take for the last time, Captain, will you telephone our home in Summerfield so that our maid can identify us? Now, just keep your shirt on, Stuffy. If I put in a call a few minutes ago. I bet that's it now. Oh, thank goodness. Bertie will clear this right up, Leroy. Hello. Hello. Who's this calling? Uh, long distance from Millville. Oh, I know the answer to that one. It sure is. <laughs> uh, this is the police department. Uh, we're holding a man with a stolen car loaded with explosives. 
He claims to be uh, Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve. Uh, Mr. Gildersleeve ain't in Millville. He done took the train for Fabview today. Oh, he took the train, huh? The train? Ooh, I've got to tell her about that. Let me call you. get a witness phone. Uh, this man claims he drove this car as far as Junction City. Oh, that can't be. Mr. Gildersleeve's car's resting right here in the garage. Ah. Well, in that case, I was right all along. Uh, sorry I troubled you. Goodbye. Hey, goodbye. Wait a minute. Well, why did you hang oh, up? Oh, look, you. I've had enough of this. Who do you think you are trying to run things and act so insolent and arrogant? The police? Yeah. Huh? Uh, Mike, put these two in separate cells till morning. Here, here, what's going on here? Oh, hello, Commissioner Toby. Uh-huh. Well, I recovered your car for you, sir. Yes, I know. Where's the man who took it? Uh, here I am. Uh, hello, Commissioner. <laughs> oh, so it was the little critic of the state highway system, the uh, little roadrunner down there. Oh. Well, I'm only thankful nothing happened to my car with all that blasting powder in the back. Yes. What do you mean by letting me carry dangerous explosives? Oh, dry up, you big wet blanket. Oh, you ought to be thankful you're getting out of this mess without going to jail. You mean you don't want him held, Commissioner? No, this man just made an innocent mistake. It was stupid, but I don't think it was intentional. Uh, Come on outside, Gildersleeve, and we'll trade cars. Yes, all right. Hey, good night, Captain. Thanks for the hospitality. Yeah, something he ate, no doubt. <laughs> After you, Commissioner. Come on, Leroy. Say, I better make sure my rabbits are all right. Oh, don't worry. They're safe, my boy. Oh, uh, did you have a look at them? I'll say I did, and they jumped right out of the box and escaped. Escaped? And now, don't worry. We called out a road gang and rounded them all up again. Took the best part of two hours. Gee, I hope nothing happened to them. Now, now, they're all right. None the worse for the little romp. They're in fine condition, all seven of them. Yes. Seven? But but we only had four rabbits to begin with. Commissioner, you found too many. Quick, give me the police department. Police? This is 747 Parkside Avenue, and something's happened here. Didn't you phone me about a man who said he was Mr. Gillsleeve in a stolen car? Well, some policeman did. Well, anyhow, I went back to bed, and I tossed, and I turned, and I turned, and I... Okay, okay, I'll get to the point. (laughs) I got up, and I went out to the garage to see if it was there, and it wasn't. No, no, the garage was there all right, but nothing else was. (laughs) Uh, What do you mean, be more pacific? Oh, well, somebody sneaked in and stole all of Mr. Gilsey's four beautiful, brand-new retreads. Hello, wait a minute, I ain't through yet. At the time these tires were stolen, they was attached to Mr. Gilsey's automobile. Pinching me, what's the big idea? I'm afraid you'll fall asleep. Well, don't worry. If I want to sleep, I'll pull over to the side of the road. Yeah, but the trouble is you'll pull over after you've fallen asleep. Oh, yes. By George, it's two in the morning. I'd stop right now if it would make us late for that rabbit. What's that noise? It looks like a cop, huh? Another cop? The police have been on my neck tonight like a muffler. Well, this time they can't find anything wrong. I'm driving under 40. My lights are all right. It's my own car. All right, pull over to the side of the road. Oh, yes. Pull over, Leroy. Jeepers, I wonder what it is now. Probably some officer who hadn't heard that everything's been straightened out between Commissioner Toby and me. You know, I'm beginning to be afraid of cops. Oh, poppycock. You watch me handle this fellow. I'll get rid of him inside of two minutes. Oh, yeah? Yeah, two minutes. You can time me, Leroy.
longer, officer. We've been here for two hours already. Two and a half, Unc. I'm still timing you. <laughs> but look, officer, and you too, Captain. Here, here, Captain. Wake up when I'm talking to you. Huh? What? Who? Uh, you here again? Yes. How many times? No, I'm still here. It's just the second time. How soon are you going to set us free? I can't do anything until we hear this party in Somerville who turned in the stolen car report. When they call, let me talk to them, please. I'd like to get my hands on anybody who says I stole my own automobile. Well? Oh, yes. Hello. Millville Police Station. Captain Webster speaking. Are you calling the Gillsleeve residence? I don't know. Uh, did you report a stolen car early in the night? I most certainly did. You catch it? Yes, but the driver claims he's the owner, Gildersleeve. Yeah. That's the second burglar that did that tonight. This is getting monotonous. Well, uh, he claims that you can identify him. I'm going to put him on. Uh, here you are. Yeah, thank you. Now, see here, Bertie. What's the idea of having the police chase me clear across the state? Mr. Gillsleeve, what you doing in the pokey? Yes, huh? <laughs> you ought to know you put me in this pokey. Leroy and I took the car instead of the train. Oh, you took it. And I thought it was some of them rubber robbers. Yeah. <laughs> I wish you'd have told me. Yeah, so do I now. We'd have been in fair view by now if you hadn't had us arrested for stealing our own automobile. Now, you tell the captain here that I'm all right. Uh, here you are, Captain. Yeah. Well, what about this man? Yeah. Oh, that's his car, all right. Well, he's my employer. At least he was as of our most recent conversation. <laughs> I better hang up before he decides to change the status quo and make me a member of the alumni. <laughs> Well, Gildersleeve, that looks like a clean bill of health for you. I guess you can go now. Oh, uh, thank goodness. Come on, Leroy. It's time we got started. Yeah, take your hands off me. What's I this? tell you I didn't steal that car. It's mine. I'm State Highway Commissioner Francis X. Toby. Oh, uh, yeah? Well, we had another guy tonight who was also supposed to be the oh, commissioner. Oh, that was... Uh, oh, hello there, Captain. Tell this lunkhead who I am. Well, hello, Commissioner. They got you, too, I see. Oh. <laughs> yes, Gildersleeve, for stealing your car. Well... I told this balloon brain I was innocent, but he wouldn't believe me. Not even when we arrived here and I showed him your car. Huh? Well, I parked right next to it and I said, look... I don't it. care. Orders is orders. Uh, Mike, this man is the commissioner, all right. Huh? Just my luck. <laughs> well, now that everything's straightened out, we better be going. I'll have to drive 70 miles an hour if I'm... Oh, <laughs> I forgot. The speed limit is 50, isn't it? <laughs> well, come on, Leroy. Let's go. Where's Leroy? Oh, I'd give a lot right now if I could say, move over, Leroy. <laughs> This must be it. Let's see, yes. The Fairview Convention Hall, Exhibitor's Entrance. Yeah, we just made it, too. <laughs> Your passes, please, sir. Your passes? Oh, yes, you have them, I believe, Leroy. Yeah, that's right, Uncle Mort. Uh, here you are, sir. Yeah, just one second till I open the envelope, please. Yes, it's Porter, I guess. I'm sorry, folks, but these here appears to be the wrong kind of tickets. Yeah, let me see. Oh, suffering whales, Leroy. These are our railroad tickets. What? <laughs> well, I've had them and... We could have come by train all the time. Yeah. Well, then what did we send to Cousin Flora? The rabbit show passes, I guess. <laughs> well, at least we're here anyway. Yeah, that's true. What do we do about getting in, though? I'll arrange it. Hey, Porter, if you help us with this box of rabbits... Yes, I'll be glad to. Yeah, you bring the box in. That You'll, you'll find it in the rear compartment, and we'll, we'll go and find the manager. Uh, gladly, sir, yeah. Uh, huh? Uh, What's the matter? Can't you budge him? Here, let me help you. Oh, my gosh, Leroy. Danger, explosives. It's the commissioner's car again. 
come to visit. What'll we do now, Uncle Mort? Oh, you'll kill time till dinner, then come back and see if they're home yet. If, what would you like to do, Leroy? Well, how about seeing a movie? We passed a swell one on the way out here. A movie? Is that so? What's the title? Look Who's Laughing. Oh, that one, yeah. Well, it's playing all over these days, isn't it? All right, let's go. Sounds very amusing. If, if, who's in it? Oh, uh, Fibber McGee and Molly. Oh, anybody else? Yeah, Charlie McCarthy and Edgar Bergen. Is that all? Oh, no, there's Mrs. Uppington and... Hollow Wilcox and Lucille Ball. Well, well, yes, yes. Go on, Leroy. Oh, I almost forgot. And Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Look who's laughing. Yeah, good night, folks. <laughs> music heard on this program was composed and conducted by William Randolph. This is Jim Bannon speaking for the Kraft Cheese Company and inviting you to be with us again next week at the same time for the further adventures of The Great Gildersleeve. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Bold Venture, followed by The Red Skelton Show. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell, Paul Stringer, and Justin Eacock for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.